no matter what facade or we put on and everyone's wearing the business suits and you're in the big boardroom and you're making a big mergers and acquisitions deal or whatever you're doing, deep, deep, deep down, people want to feel heard, acknowledged, understood, and loved. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? This week's guest on the podcast is absolutely incredible. Nick has an unbelievable real estate story and is an extremely inspiring individual. I promise you guys are going to love him. In this episode, Nick and I chatted about his story to date, as well as a bunch of very valuable aspects of real estate investing, from painting the picture to solve problems, the value of strategic relationships, the power of accountability, and so much more. There is so much to learn from this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 88 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, we have the great pleasure of chatting with Nick Allerud, an absolutely remarkable investor, the owner of the incredible AA Real Estate Group, a best-selling author, and accomplished speaker, educator, and trainer. Nick, what is going on, man? Super excited to have you on. I'm pumped. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. Again, we were just talking about, you know, I've been trying to shed ego for the like five or 10 years, so I still get weird when people say intros like that. But I appreciate <laughs> being on. Happy to provide value where and if I can. Awesome stuff, dude. 100%. Thank you so much. Yeah, so let's let's jump right into your story, man. What kind of, you know, gave you the real estate bug and, you know, give us that that superhero backstory, if you will. <laughs> yeah, superhero back. No superhero here. I was um out of school and I decided that I was going to go into finance. So, I worked for Federal Home Loan Bank in Boston for about a year, which was kind of cool uh, on their trading desk. Um, just not actually as a trader, but sort of just observing and watching them do their thing while I was playing with finance. Um, and then I got a job at Mellon Bank out of Boston and Everett, Massachusetts. So uh, a lot of you, I know, I think we, you and I have chatted before, so you've already heard this story before, but I'll share it with your listeners, right? So these, uh, in finance, it all sounds really, really cool, right? And like pretty much every single person is a vice president. Like there's no such thing as entry level. Um, but I did get promoted three times, still didn't have a vice president label, and I was making under $50,000 a year. So I was kind of like, they had me working 60, 70 hour weeks. Uh, we were basically a custody floor. So we were servicing other big name, you know, mutual fund clients, one being Fidelity Investments. And they had me, uh, you know, don't worry, Nick's team will handle it. Nick's team will handle it. They'll take care of it. And, you know, nights, weekends. I remember being there on Christmas Day, New Year's Day, doing foreign trading. Like it was just a lot, right? And um, I just remember, it was actually over a board game of Risk. Do you know the Risk board game, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> do you play? I haven't played since then, but we, do you play that game? I've probably played it once, like ever. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you either love it, you hate it, right? It's a love-hate thing. Us former politics majors, political science, we're like, oh, someday we're gonna take over the world and this is gonna be a very cool thing to do. And I was pretty good at it. All my friends ganged up on me. We're 2.30 in the morning. They all gang up on me and they, they knocked me out of the game. It's at my house. This is back in 2004, and I decide to – I can't go anywhere. They're in my house, so they're still playing, and I'm turning on late-night infomercials. 
right? And I see the first one that is, um, you know, uh, John Beck's tax lien, free and clear real estate system, right? Pay $49 now in the next 10 minutes and you'll get access to all of the secrets of buying real estate pennies in the dollar. And for me, honestly, Kyle, it was a total joke, like just to mess with my buddies. Yeah. Like, see guys, look what you made me do. I'm sitting here watching infomercials, 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> Here we go. I'm buying. A new, I'm gonna buy some brain powder next. Just you wait. <laughs> and I literally get this binder in the mail, right? And and so I read through it, and I'm still remember overworked. You know what that's like. I know you know what that's like. <laughs> and I read through this binder, and there's some interesting stuff in it. Like I get it. So you know, not not like an inefficient market. Um, you know, there's no stock tickers and this and that. And oh, there's opportunities where you know people uh, are going through tough times, and sometimes you can help. And it said, if you're serious about investing, call this 800 number. I guess I'm serious. I just paid 49 bucks for this binder. So I called that 800 number and the absolute best salesperson in the world, Kyle, talked to me into my first over the phone, $6,000 coaching bootcamp marketing thing. Right. And it was some dude from like North Carolina. Like, I don't even know who it was. Right. And <laughs> I remember staying late at the bank. I was working late anyway, but I was staying past like 7.30, 8pm. I stopped working bank hours and I would just stay there in my cube and switch to real estate. And I would, that's when they taught me a little bit about, you know, how to set up and prep direct mail campaigns. They taught me a little bit about how to talk to the sellers, but ultimately Kyle, they got me to do the one thing that we've all as entrepreneurs done, which is read one single book, which changes our world. What book is that for you, Kyle? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, man. There you have it. <laughs> there you have it. That book changed every every way I thought about finance. It taught everything way I thought about entrepreneurship. It it reframed everything that my you know parents and society had taught me. That was everything I needed, and that was when I knew I had the bug. So I took that bug and I started the 2005. Now, I went to um. I don't think you were born yet in 2005, right, Kyle? No, no. I was born in 2000. <laughs> not okay. not too long right. after though. So you're... <laughs> I actually wasn't expecting you to be a 2000 baby, but hey, you know, uh, <laughs> 19 something, but I am older than I thought. So to, 2005, uh, I, that gave me the bug. And in 2005, they had something in Boston called the Learning Annex. And they had everyone there. Uh, Donald Trump was there. Robert Kiyosaki was there. Uh, and a whole slew of national speakers and gurus and coaches. And this was back when the last market was super hot, similar to now. And there's a lot more gurus now, right? Like it's just interesting. So I blew all my money with like, I think seven different courses, you know, uh, single family stuff, wholesaling, commercial, RV park investing, uh, and a, a lot of stuff there. And I took, I went nuts. Um, fast forward about eight months. I have invested in all this training. I have taken all these courses. I've flown to Florida and I did a, you know, rich university and Trump university and all that stuff. And I hadn't done a deal yet. And I'm really, really, really angry at myself for not having to do a deal. And I think, you've again, you've heard this story too, but for the benefit of your listeners, um, I remember being, here's a, here's a visual for everybody. I don't know if people can see me now. If, only, if you're on Audible, you're not going to get this full, but I want you to picture me in the shower. <laughs> in the shower. And I had hair. I had lots of hair back then. I know no one believes me, but I had lots of hair. I remember... I had a shampoo bottle. It was a suave shampoo bottle. And I said, by the, I, by the time this, I made just a commitment to myself. By the time this thing gets to zero, I have to have done a deal in real estate. 
And honestly, Kyle, that little thing became my first accountability partner. Every single morning, I'd get into that shower and be like, a little bit less, a little bit less. Come on, what are you doing today? You're just going to go back to booking all your trades and making sure people are happy? Or are you going to work towards your dream or work towards your freedom? Or what are you going to do? And ultimately, um, that led me to, you know, reach, going to trying to find time to go to the networking groups. And back then they were called RIAs, right? And going to, um, uh, it was online on some of the forums. And finally, a guy found me. Uh, he was in Minnesota and he found me hustling. And he said, you know what, Nick, I've got an idea. You've been trying to get your first deal. You're out there. I am going to, I have undervalued real estate that I have access to here in Minnesota and Wisconsin. I am going to, uh, we have tenant buyers, like rent to own buyers that want to rent these things, but they can't quite get a mortgage yet. Hmm. So I've got a cool plan, Nick. I'm going to get these undervalued pieces of real estate. We're going to buy them at 60, 70, 80 cents on the dollar. We're going to lease these for three years to these folks with you know, damaged credit or people who are working through things, but they have income. And they're going to contract with us to buy these houses three years later for 20% above what we pay for them. And back then, it was totally legal to contract with a seller for like $500,000 for a single family house. And at the closing table, you would finance that at 90 to 100% financing back wow. then in the day. And they would give you literally a check at closing for like $50,000 and say, hey, thanks. Good luck to you, right? Wow. But that was legal. It was part, it was the bank money, but it was called a payment authorization. And back then you could do stuff like that. So this is like a win, 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 win situation for me. I would get money at the closing. I would get cash flow during the life of the three years of the rental cash flow, right? After uh, that cleared the mortgage. And I would also get paid out in three years, 20% above what we paid for the property. The only catch was, so I had a partner and it was 60, 40 split. I was 60, he was 40. He had bad credit, so he needed me to sign on all the mortgages, right? So I was like, screw it. I'm not doing one deal. I'm doing five. Let's go. <laughs> like, I, I'm going to get all my money back from all these courses that I had just paid for and all this stuff, like, and this will satisfy my accountability partner, right? My my my, my shampoo bottle. Swap, yes. <laughs> Swap, exactly. Exactly. So um, we closed on five. And then we had our call with him on Monday. Uh, me and a friend of mine, John, did it together here in the Boston area. And we had a call with him on Monday. And he didn't show up to the call. Like, That's kind of weird. Then we had uh, another call with him on Thursday. And he didn't show up to that call either. Like, this is weird. What's going on out here? Like, let's go next steps. We need to line up these tenants. We need to get these things, you know, under, under rent and all this stuff. And, well, as it turns out, Kyle, the five deals were real and mortgages were real. But the tenant applications were not real. The leases were not real. The resale purchase contracts were not real. The guy took 40% of the upfront money on the closings and he pieced out. Are you serious? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so all this money that I just made, wasn't really made, right? It was just debt money, right? That I had gotten at the closings. I then spent in attorneys to chase him and property managers to try to rent these things out. And well, you can only... You can only carry about, you know, $2.6 million worth of debt um, with no income coming in except your W-2 job for maybe less than six months. My first five deals in real estate, Kyle, as you, I think you already know the story, but I lost all five. Four went to short sale, one went to foreclosure. Um, wow. And that was my first and dreaded and ugly reset. We call them reset, I now call them rebirths, but reset button was number one. So you asked how I started? That's the plan. I can go back into 
what happened next, or if you can just stop right there and we can end and we can all just drink. What would you like to do? <laughs> I think we should mix the two of those. <laughs> wow. That's incredible, man. You didn't know that story yet? I, I, I knew, like, parts of it, but I got to get the nice full full beef. Wow. <laughs> so I, I, I'll sum this up by saying, you know, I've now been – that was 2005. Um, I then realized six months – I'll, I'll say what kind of brought me out of that. I had still paid for one uh, of these coaches from that learning annex that I hadn't taken yet. I had paid for a course with Marshall Silver. He's a, a Las Vegas hypnotist and motivational speaker. And I was like, well, I can't be hypnotized, but either way, I'd already paid for this thing. I'm going to just take it, right? It's called the turning point. He still does them to this, to this day. Hmm. And I remember, even though I said I couldn't be hypnotized, I remember laying on the floor because he had us doing this exercise. And I literally remember, and this is in my book too, don't quit stories of persistence, courage, and faith. It's uh, it's on Amazon. I don't make any money from it. All the proceeds go to charity. Check it out. It's with a whole bunch of awesome, amazing authors. There's my plug. Um, <laughs> I remember being on the floor like, literally having a fight with myself, like yelling at myself saying, you know, look at you, like, what is this doing to help your position? And it's like, well, it's not my fault. This guy totally fucked me. Like, of course, like, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. he's ruined my life. All my savings is gone. My credit is now 600. If the bank checks my credit report, because the bank, you need a good credit to work at a bank, I'm losing my job. Like, it was all crumbling around me, right? And then I remember saying, you know, whose fault did you say this was? I was like, this guy, he fucked me. Like, you really think it was his fault, huh? You think, are you going to carry that? How long are you going to carry that for? Like, I literally had this battle in my head while I'm on the floor of this hotel room. And it taught me, right, the most important lesson I could have ever learned, which was literally what Jocko Willing calls extreme ownership, right? Like, this was me. This was me not being educated enough, not knowing what due diligence was, not knowing what real estate was, and perhaps way being way over trusting uh, you know trusting and i didn't verify right um whose fault was this and if that was the case i could finally 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 swallow it and try to move forward right and that ultimately became one of my biggest gifts ever because four or five months later when i finally got my head out of the sand out of my ass and i remember I had taken, I knew how to do wholesaling, right? Like I had taken a course in it, but I had never done it yet. I remember taking my phone out of the drawer where I'd put it. Cause I put my phone in the drawer cause all the collections calls 38 seconds. I was getting a robot collections call every 38 seconds. And I just, I just put it away. Yeah. And I remember, uh, you know, having to, I had my little script out and I, I knew what I had to do nights and weekends to try and get some deals done. I had actually met to backwards up a minute. I finally reemerged after that horrible situation. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't even see the public, right? Like I was just putting my head in the sand in my ass to try to, I'm just going to work W2 grind. Like this is how it's going to be. And finally I'm like, real estate steal my way out of this. I don't know how yet, but real estate's my way out. And I went to a real estate event, uh, uh, an investor uh, you know, association Now we call them meetups. Right. Um, and I met a guy who was buying triple deckers in the Somerville area. He showed me exactly what he was looking for. And I said, well, this is kind of the beginning of a wholesaling, right? Like I know I have a buyer now. I know what he's looking for. I'm going to go and hustle and just try to find him some stuff. And so nights and weekends, I knew I had to make calls and knock on doors to make that happen. But the first time taking my phone out of that drawer, putting it in front of me and realizing that that wasn't an enemy. Like I now had to use this tool to try and 
make money to try and free myself out of where I was. I literally had this weird, weird fear and trauma over just like handling my phone. Mm-hmm. And, and like, it's hard to describe, but I remember like, and then I would do absolutely anything I could to postpone, right. To procrastinate the actual <laughs> picking up the phone and dialing the numbers, anything I possibly could. I have to get the perfect script, right? Oh, I didn't work on this yet. Maybe I should fill in another question here. Oh my God. My lucky notebook is not here. I have to go find <laughs> my lucky notebook and go. I have a DCU pen. That's not as good as my enterprise bank pen. I need to get the new pen out. I, I would literally make all this shit up. Yeah. Kyle. Like this is in mm-hmm. my brain. And you know, the only thing that ever stopped me from saying that is when I finally learned that I can yell at my brain, which is exactly the photo you see here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I literally started yelling at myself just like I did that day, that morning in that on that hotel room. And I said, just shut up. Shut up. Why are you thinking about all this shit? Like, and that's when I learned a long time ago that our brain really is just a tool right? We're not what we think. We are not our minds. We're not our emotions. We're not our guilt. We're not our shame. And I've been through what I call seven reset buttons, even since that one. But that specific reset button, Kyle, me putting my head in the sand, realizing it was on me, realizing what I needed to do to get out of that situation and realizing and overcoming the fears of the phone and overcoming the fears of talking to people and overcoming the fears of literally learning what deal flow was, learning what direct mail again was, what how to make phone calls, how to talk to people, how to understand that I'm not here to even make real estate deals work. I'm here to make a relationship. Like learning all of that in that course of time, uh, in eight months, I had enough money by flipping these contracts to this guy to do my own three-family triple-decker rehab. This is in 2006 now. And I remember I had just, I found out, I had to learn what hard money was. Right. Cause I wasn't, I had no credit. So I went and found hard money lenders. They lent on the property and I had just enough of the 25% down payment to do this three family condo conversion, which back then was way different than doing condo conversions. Now. <laughs> like you didn't have to wait six years and pay off 19 people to do it. Um, I broke even on that deal. And to me, that was the biggest win in the world, like proof of concept. And I learned a whole bunch about construction and I learned what I knew I was not my strong suit. I should not be the one replacing toilets or painting. Um, I needed to be the one out making relationships and finding deals and perfecting that craft and perfecting making relationships. So that's a long winded story, but it's really important. I think for you and your listeners to realize that I think your life just becomes so much richer once you learn certain lessons right? And, and I'm still learning every single day. I've had, uh, you know, seven hard resets, as I call them. And every single one of them, two divorces are in there. Uh, and those are probably the hardest ones when you, you, your personal life's on the line, like, right, you're not, you don't know when you're going to see your kids again. Um, so I, I mean, I'm open book, as you already know, I'm here to provide value to you and your listeners. Uh, I know that's about time, though, we can wrap it up. No, just kidding. I'll, I'll... <laughs> wow. That's insane, Nick, like especially to go from, you know, just those beginnings like that, go through like, like you said, I, I really like the way that you word those, by the way, like the resets. I, I really, really like the way that you, you know, kind of look at it. Like some people might say it's like, oh, you know, like that was a, a failure or whatever it was. But like, the, I feel like the perspective is everything. And like, definitely not to make things about me here. I'm just going to kind of like say something real quick. By all means, man, get in there. When I, uh, I found out with my property, cause I had, I forget if I was telling you about it or not, but so last winter 
literally like a month after I bought the property, I had, oh, sorry, I'm just going to scroll that out of the way. Um, I had a, uh, I'll tell my, you a story in a minute. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> I had my furnace go and I had two of my oil tanks go literally like right after I bought the house, like totally unexpected. And I learned a lesson in that very moment when I saw both of those tanks leaking on, you know, a Sunday night at seven o'clock and it was like 20 something degrees out. I, I literally like learned something that was so freaking important right there. I'm like, you know, like you just have to be able to step back and rationalize and figure out what we're going to do. I'm like, you know, like buying this property and like, you know, everything that hopefully is going to, you know, come with like the real estate journey and everything like the thing, you know, the things that everybody glamorizes. I'm like, you're also taking on like the problems as well. I'm like, so I'm accepting you know, the good stuff that will hopefully come, you know, in, in due time, but you're also taking on the bad stuff as well. And like, I, you know, I feel like that's something that isn't really as glamorized as well. But like the lesson that I learned from going through that whole experience, man, I'm like, you know, like this just comes with the territory and like, it's, it's not a failure. It's just something that happened. And I'm like, it is what it is. You know, like you, it just comes with the territory. You know, you're just going to keep moving forward and, and, you know, get banged around a couple times and like you're still going to make it, <laughs> you know, like it's, you know, like I said, I mean, like stepping after or, you know, kind of stepping into that, you know, now, like much after all those things have happened. I'm like, that's the best, like, you know, 10 grand because there was something else in there, too. But I'm like, that's like the best 10 grand that I've ever spent. You know, I'm like in the moment, it absolutely sucked. Absolutely hated it. You know, everything was miserable. Why did I buy this freaking house? You know, like all the shebang. But the lessons that I got from that for only to like $10,000, totally worth it. I'd totally do it again. I mean, hopefully not, but you know, like, like I just, <laughs> I just, I totally see where you're coming from, man. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's bigger picture. Like it's almost like the sooner that you know, bad stuff can happen to you and like you're able to learn from it as long as it doesn't make you completely bankrupt or like, you know, whatever the, the situation is, like the more experience you're going to have right off the bat, you know, and learn a lot of those kind of life lessons and like mindset lessons and everything that you have to, to be able to keep moving forward. It just, Amen. it's just one of those things, man. Like, I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, Amen. so wait, what you're saying, Kyle, is that real estate's not easy? Is, it, is that is it not i thought i just signed on a dotted line and the cash starts rolling mailbox money that's what all the dealers, right? that's what i thought too I, I haven't went to the right guy yet i, I don't know <laughs> it's funny though you mentioned you mentioned bankruptcy too i i very clear uh, i know you and i both have a mutual colleague right gordon's my co-coach in rei ignition accelerated so gordon did hit hit bankruptcy right and he shares that openly and it share and I hit foreclosure, right? And I hit divorce. So you mentioned as long as you don't go bankrupt, oh no, you can lose everything literally. Um, yeah. And and we're still standing. And not only are we still standing, it takes that sometimes for us to learn what's really really important, right? Yeah. Like it took a divorce for me to learn to be present for my kids, so that I didn't work all the time thinking that I was servicing the family by producing and being out there and going to and you know speaking at events and writing books and like. But do the kids, I mean, they saw me at Thursday nights. What else? You know what I mean? Like, were they, are yeah. they going to just know me as the Thursday night dad? Like, holy shit. So it took that to get me to realize what's actually important, right? So I, I love that, man. I love that you already have the right mindset. You're right. The faster, the better. 
Uh, but hopefully they come one at a time so you can internalize them one at a time and not all at once where you're like, you know what? Fuck this game. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, man. Like it totally to your point, man. Like the way that I kind of think about things is like, yeah, I mean like either you're, you're quote unquote winning, like whatever, you know, people define that as, as it is, or you're learning, you know, like I, I feel like the concept of failure, like doesn't really exist if you're in it for the long term. you know, like you're either winning and you're killing it or maybe not so much, but you're learning the lessons that you have to, to make you a better man or woman to keep moving forward and make you a lot stronger. You know, like, where is the, the lose in that situation? You know, like. Absolutely. The only lose <laughs> is regret, right? Yeah. So if we learn to not have any regret and just to move forward and whatever we do right now in this moment, whatever decision we make, that's the right decision because we made it in this moment. We thought yeah. that was the right decision. And therefore, don't look back. Only look forward. man. And I absolutely love, um, I love what you what you said a little bit, eh, a little while ago, Nick, with the, uh, like, the suave bottle and, like, the accountability. Like, that's that's wicked awesome, man. I love that. Like, I I've, I know you guys are really, really big on accountability and everything, like, with the, um, well, like, the mastermind, like, group and stuff like that. And it's, uh, that's wicked cool, you know, to kind of have that as, like, your first, because, yeah, like, you're going to see that every morning or every night, you know, whatever, whatever you, you do, but... <laughs> You know, and be able to see, like, the level drop and be like, oh, shit, like, you know, I'm going to, you know, hit the ground running here. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that you do these podcasts, Kyle, so this is what I also learned, right? Uh, I was going to, I, I'm an entrepreneur. It's, it's just going to be me and mine. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it myself if I have to. I'm going to crank, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to crank harder. I'm going to grind better. So it's just me, 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 right? And then what happens? Well, number one, fucking lonely at the top right number two is it is it not faster to try and and find people to work with or partners to hold you accountable or a team or mastermind groups or a community like why do we have to do this alone and the answer is we don't right like there's there's so much out here like everyone is well i can't share my secrets then i'm going to be competing with people but it's like (laughs) you don't even understand no first of all the real secrets are, what I feel the real secrets are is everyone who started in real estate in 2013 or higher have no idea what's coming. That's that's the real secret. But besides that, they can make <laughs> any mistake in the world from 2013 to now and still put themselves up as a guru because they made hundreds of thousands of dollars because they haven't seen what happens in a declining market, which always happens. And that's okay. <laughs> but anyway, you know, they don't, no one has to do this business alone. You know, there's always an accountability partner. There's always people putting on podcasts like you and creating value for others. And there's, there's no such thing as competitors. There's co-op editors. I like people. I like looking at everybody locally, right? Like we, I would rather partner with a hundred people, right? You take, uh, what is it? 20% of a hundred deals and 0% of one or fit. I don't know. I don't remember what that thing is. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pieces are better than nothing. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. That's true. And even if you've had a bad partnership before, right? So it took me a long time to come out of those control issues because, again, I did have that control. It was going to be all mine. I didn't trust people for a very, very long time. And then the moment that it opened up where I trusted again and I allowed people back in and then I started providing more value back to them because I'd want to hold it all in because that's my marketing strategy and mine. Like the whole world opened up to me. Yeah. And not only did it open, right? Like the whole world opened up to me. And I know this sounds, I five years ago or this is 10 years ago, none of this shit would have been real. 
but like, I just want to encourage all of your listeners. And I know that all your listeners going, listening to your podcast specifically and who listen to mine, the shut up and do it real estate podcast. That's plug number two. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Those are people, right. That, that hopefully they're not in that scarcity mindset. They are abundant. They are knowing that there's deals everywhere. They are knowing that money is just an energy source and it comes and it goes. And if you, if it, if all of it leaves you tomorrow, because you have a boiler and two furnaces and two tenants decide to move out and buy a house and now you have no cash flow and no cash, it comes back. Yep. It comes back because you are you and I am me and it, that's who we are. We attract it. It's all good. I this love is crazy so stuff, much. isn't it? It is. It totally is. <laughs> and like that's that's one of the things that I absolutely love about real estate, man, is like just I mean like the thing that I have noticed about, you know, like really really successful people is like they're just, you know, so open to help everybody and like like it's just, it's such like a, you know, exactly like you said, you know, like just an abundant mindset of like, all right, you know, just looking at everybody like the same and like, you know, we're all working at this game together. Like everybody can get what they want at the end of the day. Like there's enough friggin' houses out there for everybody. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like there's 10 houses and there's 11 investors, you know, and that's it period. Like, unless you're on MLS, people on MLS are like, there's no houses. <laughs> I know. Cause you're on MLS. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's beautiful, man, because, like, I don't know, it just, like, you just never know, you know, like, who you could be working with in the future, like, who you could be, like, doing deals on, like, it's interesting, like, just the nature of, like, everybody will be in the same area, like, say if you're looking for, like, you know, buy and hold, like, two to four units in one neighborhood of Lowell, you know, like, yeah, there might be ten other people at the meetup that are looking for something very similar, but, like, if everybody's helping each other out, like, like, who cares, you know, it's... I don't know. It, it just, it's such a beautiful thing. And like, I haven't seen it anywhere else that like a community this big, like doing something this big is, uh, you know, just so a hundred percent apt to help each other and everything. And like, I've literally met like probably like one or two people out of quite a few that, uh, you know, just kind of have that selfish, like, all right, like screw you guys. Like this is, you know, my secret, like, like everybody else is like, all right, man, like, what are you looking for? Like, how can I help you? You know, and it's, it just, it's such a beautiful thing, man. It really is. It gets, and you know, it's funny because as you get bigger and you get into bigger deals, now I I will only do so. You know, we started, I guess, you know, the journey right for me was we did the wholesaling thing for a while and then we did rehabbing that first rehab that I shared with you, that three family in Somerville was the first, you know, know, over 500 or so. And I, I, I learned lessons along the way. Like we had six complete utter failures along those, you know, whatever we're at now, 450, 500 rehabs or whatever it is. But um, where that brought me, right, is that I also knew I had to start building wealth, right? Build, transactional money is not building wealth. Transactional money is G, we call it G, the getting the money. We still have to grow the money. We have to grow it. And while everyone loves to say it's all passive mailbox money, we, you and I know that is not <laughs> passive mailbox money. But it's funny because I'll tell you that story. In 2009, I still did not have my credit back, right? In 2009, I knew I, I finally had my rehab game down. So, uh, and my deal flow was was strong. So we went around and I would try to do four rehabs here locally in the Boston area. And then I had to take that money and go to a market where I could buy houses cash because I couldn't get loans, right? I could use private money and all that, but I, I, was, I, was, just, I was generating money. So I might as well use it. And- we had to find a market out of state where I could literally take like $35,000 from one of my flips here 
and go out and buy a house for like 20 and put 15 into it and rent it for $500 a month. Now I found that market, uh, a couple of colleagues of mine, Linda and Eric brought us out there. Uh, it's in Western Pennsylvania, just north of Pittsburgh. Hmm. And, and I started amassing a little portfolio out there, which became sort of what I thought as building wealth, right? In 2009. And I would try new, and I also managed these from afar, right? I had some local contacts, but I tried to manage them from afar. And I would test like little property management strategies out there to see if it worked. And um, that became a really cool moment for me. But as that happened, and um, we'll get into that story because that'll take another hour, but I had... <laughs> I had taken another guru's course that taught us how to go bigger, faster. Why are you doing single family rentals and single family fix and flips when you could just be going after the 200 unit apartment complexes across the country? Why, why are you doing this when you could be doing that? So I dabbled in that for a little bit. And I realized that there's lots of those people don't teach you. And I realized that there's a lot of it. And I aligned with another group um, that, that cost me uh, a good year and a half of money, a year and a half of time, and a whole marriage. Um, and by doing that, I call that I do that talk publicly. It's called my brush with the SEC. Uh, I was not on the general partnership, but I was on. I was a limited partner, and I helped them raise some equity. And it was it was a, it was a struggle because they just they. I don't think anyone was malicious, but they didn't know what they were doing, and it cost a lot of people some a lot of effort and time and strife and stress. So anyway, I tell that story to say, going in from single families, which we still do into four to six unit buildings, which we still do. And then going into the 150 and 200 unit apartment complexes and syndications, which we do. Um, I now will only do 150 and 200 unit buildings or this, we do self storages now, we do RV parks, um, uh, you know, mobile home parks. I will now only do these big deals and these syndications with partners. Like we'll find the deal and we have the capacity to fund the deal with our investor relationships. And we have the capacity to do the due diligence and we have the capacity to do the asset management. But here's honestly, Kyle, I don't, I don't want to, it's yeah. way too much. Like we need to have strategic relationships in place where there's always at least a second or even third person that can like jump in when someone's not available. Cause being, it's not worth doing it alone. Like we know what we value now, right? Like, is it cool to say that you're the owner of like 700 units? I could say that at one point, but that's, that's ego. That's pure ego, you know? And, and to be fair, I'm just going off on a tangent, by the way. Thanks, Kyle. Sorry. Go right ahead. I, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Go nuts. As a banker, I also learned that I can make more money on a 40 unit portfolio where I only have five partners than I can on a 500 unit portfolio where I am like a 2% general partner member and I'm responsible for making sure everyone's good and I'm responsible for all the investor communications and I'm responsible for making sure third party management does their job and I'm responsible for any insurance claims that might arise if something happens to the property. Like, holy God, that's a lot of stress. <laughs> and you get, you know, one or two investors that are like, Everyone has the right to ask questions. And I'm, I'm, I am a pain in the ass investor sometimes, right? Like I'm getting better at it, but like, it, it, you know, I get it. If, if you have someone's hard earned money and maybe they're not used to investing yet, they're going to ask you lots of questions. And you know what I mean? Like, and that's a lot of stress. If you're the person that's in charge of making sure they all feel good, um, you, it keeps you up at night. Right. Yeah. So I've learned I can make more money. My balance sheet needle goes up and my cash flow needle goes up if I keep it to smaller deals and I'm not competing with institutionals 
and I, you know, have smaller numbers of investors in on those deals, but I only use partners. The whole point of this whole conversation was you talk about partnerships. I will only use partners now on bigger deals, but I wanted to share my journey in case that can resonate with anybody. That's interesting, man. That's crazy. Like, especially to kind of look at something like that of like, hey, you know, you might actually be able to make more monetarily, you know, with a lot less effort, you know, on maybe like a smaller deal versus like a, you know, 200, 300 plus, you know, whatever the, the deal is. That's that's something extremely interesting, you know, because like, but better, better on the cash flow and balance sheet. Yes. A, a, a small 20 unit deal is is the same amount of work as a 200 unit deal. But. You have to measure, you know, how many investors am I bringing other partners in? What's going to happen? Is it out of state? Like you measure all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So when it comes to, I guess when it comes to like putting a deal together, right? I know, you know, you guys are really strong with like the, um, like the deal flow and everything like we were talking about earlier. When it comes to like, you know, bringing on like potential partners or, you know, kind of like getting to know people that are like, you know, might have some, some capital aside, like, how does that kind of go, I guess? Like, do you, you know, do people, are, yeah. so I guess, do you find people kind of like coming to you a lot more at this point? Or like, do you still kind of go out and like, you know, try and like raise the capital, I guess, like go to people, I guess you could say. Oh, awesome. I love this. So I think I just got your question. I just did a podcast called, uh, is there an easy button for raising capital? Uh, Perfect. So is that what you're asking? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, well, let's go back. So, right. So that group that found me in 2010 and hired me to raise capital for them, they were trying to find an easy button, although they had, they had some stuff going on, right? Most of the time people, and if, it's actually a colleague of mine, Lance, who helps uh, managers start and open funds, right? So he, he just wrote a great article about this. Ultimately, the only time I've ever found it easy to raise capital is when people approached me, right? Um, now, I, I can build that list. I have to have relationships with them first anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, ultimately, the only thing that's ever helped me uh, raise capital quicker and quicker and quicker and easier and easier has been to show up, show up on podcasts, show up at meetups, be local, be invested, and then show people what we're doing on social media and don't just show the 1% highlight reel, show everything, right? Like I used to do that too. How embarrassed was I when that Minnesota thing happened? Like I didn't want anyone to know what had just happened to me, right? Yeah. How embarrassed was I when my whole 2010 happened and I was like dealing with, you know, depositions and subpoenas and this shit. Like, I'm like, oh my God, like how embarrassed was I when I was going through my divorce? Like it, we all, especially, I think too, we all want to just shrink, right? We all want to go to a little cave and just, lock the cave and be like, I'm going to, I'll deal with this. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But just for right now, I just want to shrink down and just, and yeah. I've learned some valuable lessons there that when I'm finally ready to come out of that cave and I just share and I just let it all out, all of a sudden I've got like, wow, man, like, thank you for being so genuine. I really appreciate that. And by the way, like, you know, what if you're ever looking for more capital for a rehab or more capital for a multifamily, where, like you never know where they're going to come from. My first investor was a person that I had known for seven years and I'd become friendly with. And I had zero idea they had any gap. I thought they were scraping by. I had zero idea they had $180,000 in their IRA. They were just waiting to deploy it. Like nice. zero. Like, so you never know where it's going to come from, like ever. Yeah. 
And and so I, I that's my advice to all of your listeners. Like if you're raising capital, be out there, be present, and share not just your wins, but share the struggles, share the learn, share the learn lessons. Right? You have wins and you have lessons. That's what you said, right, Kyle? <laughs> share the lessons. Share every one of them, and they'll see you on your journey, and they'll some of them might want to be a part of it. Right? That's huge, man. I I love that so much. I mean, like, especially to your point, too, like, sometimes, like, when shit's hitting the fan, like, you know, you just kind of want to deal with it and, you know, like, all right, whatever, like, you know, won't let anybody know, just do, I'll just do me. But, like, if you're able to, to share those things, like, it's, it's things that, you know, a couple other people at the meetup or, like, you know, maybe, like, one or two people on your Facebook that you haven't talked to in five years might be going through the exact same thing. You know, like, I just, I feel like it's really valuable, you know, especially from a point of, like, authenticity to just be, like, transparent, you know, and just be like, all right, like, here's shit hitting the fan over here, but, like, you know, over here we're doing okay and things are going swell. Um, but, yeah, you know, and, and just to kind of show, like, how you got through some of those problems and, you know, like, the lessons and, like, the things that, the things that happened. And, yeah, I just, I feel like sometimes it is kind of tough, you know what I mean? Because, like... I don't know, like, <laughs> it just, especially, like, if it's in the moment, um, but yeah, I mean, like, if, if, because, I mean, like, if you are able to post something like that, then, you know, it gives other people the opportunity to learn from your mistake, and, like, who knows, like, maybe they could avoid that problem, you know, six, 12 months from now, and, uh, you know, just from hearing, like, a little thing that you said, or, or whatever it is, um, oh, yeah, you know, and, and just, like, how to get through it. That's it. It's, you're not alone, right? That's what we just talked about. You're not, you can be an entrepreneur, you can be an owner of your own company, and you can still don't have to be alone. Yeah. And some people, right, some people, as I've learned, that are entrepreneurs and trying and trying and trying for three or four years, like one of my business coaches just finally said to somebody else in the same group, he said, you know what, you've been really trying to do a lot of this stuff for about five years now. Did it ever even occur to you that you could be happier, even make more money by not being an entrepreneur, by being an entrepreneur, by being an entrepreneur under somebody else's team, like doing what you love and letting other people do what you don't love, right? Like whether you're a partner with somebody, right? Where you've got strengths and weaknesses, or even if you're part of another team, like it, no one has to do this alone. And it's a struggle, man. I did it alone. Like I was a per one and two man operation for years and years and years. And I also blew up to where, you know, we had 30 people. And I also realized that maybe that wasn't what I wanted. Cause once again, I had built Right. Like something that I now had to I had to now make sure I hold all these people accountable and I'm responsible for them and I have to make sure there's work for them. And and it's like, all right, maybe that wasn't for me. So mm -hmm. I'm going through the, the same struggles and lessons like everybody else is. Right. And um, I, I I'm just in love. I'm still in love with the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of the deal. But I'm more in love now with like how many people can we impact? How many people can we change their lives? And if I can do that by sharing some personal stories, right, on my social or our entire podcast, like yours is, <laughs> both of our podcasts are devoted to sharing value, right? Like in order to qualify to be a guest on my podcast, you've had to go through some serious shit. Like you have to, and you have to share it. Like you yeah. can't come on and promote awesome. anything unless you share your shit that you've been through. Like that's the whole point. So, you know, what, what we're in to shut up and do, it's all about our own head, right? Like telling ourselves every single day to get up and just shut up with all the procrastination, shut up with the excuses, shut up with the blame and the guilt and shame that we feel, shut up with the regret. Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> that's incredible, man. I, I think that's like the coolest thing in the world, you know, to be able to be like, all right, like this is literally like, you know, the real stuff. 
So, you know, like, you have to have got, have, yeah, have to have gone through some real stuff, you know, to be able to, um, like, you have to be able to share it. Yeah. You probably went through some stuff in the HVAC world. I'm sure you, like, you know? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. You've seen some stuff. I know you do. You know what's funny, though, Kyle? Because, like, real estate is not about houses or sticks of bricks, right? Real estate's about people, right? You know that already. Relationships. So we, we can get into this and, like, oh, well, we know how to, you know, change out a brick foundation. Or we know how to replace a water heater. We know how to, you know, uh, make a make ductwork high efficient. That's your that's your world, not mine. <laughs> I just know about hers ratings. But, um, you know, we can do all that and get good at all that stuff. But ultimately, right, if we want to be really, really, really good at what we do, we have to learn people we have to learn what makes them tick and we have to learn what makes them fall right and i feel that has always given me almost an unfair advantage because when i'm speaking to any homeowner or any motivated seller whatsoever i can i feel their pain like i literally feel it with them and i can sit down and be in it with them yeah but i also like they can't see the forest through the trees like i couldn't but it's easy, like, right? Like you've learned to picture perfect, right? If you've learned to paint that picture for them, like while you're sitting there with them and they understand that you understand where they are and you can actually articulate their problems to them better than they can articulate it to themselves. When you win that game and then you can paint the picture of what their new life looks like because you know that too, because you've seen it or done it or executed on it. Like it's it's game over. Like. The number doesn't matter because that's the whole point, right? People don't want people to go out and buy their house for cash fast. They don't care about that. They have a problem and they want someone to hear them, to listen to them, to understand it, to feel it with them sometimes, and then to paint the picture and the path, how to get to the next steps in their life. And if as a wholesaler or a rehabber or a landlord or even a multi, even people in the big games, right? Unless you deal with an institutional player, there's always someone with a story behind it. And if you can get to that story and find out what their deepest pains are, what their fears are, what the challenges are around, you know, where, where they are in their life, you'll connect. And when you connect the best wholesalers in the world, right? The number doesn't really matter. It's how can I structure the offer and how can I make them feel loved and felt right now? That's awesome, man. And like, I think it's something that's really interesting too, because like, I feel like that's, it's just more of like a life skill, you know, like communication, like that just happens to work extremely well in real estate. Like if your communication is very, very strong, like imagine like in other areas, man, like if you're able to, you know, talk one-on-one -on -one with people or, you know, whatever the case may be and be able to like, you know, ask the right questions and kind of feel out like, you know, how they're doing and, um, you know, be able to, to get to that answer that, or, you know, be able to kind of, I guess, break down some of those walls to get to the answer that you need, you know, that might be like super emotionally driven or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like if you're able to get to that and like just have like an insane ability, you know, for empathy and, and sympathy and everything and just be able to provide a solution like that's insane. Like, do you <laughs> think it like like do you think it just kind of boils down to like being like an absolutely awesome communicator? like all together <laughs> you know like like scientifically I, I guess you could say i don't know how do you how do you break that into science though right like, how do you break <laughs> that in, i i do feel this is why i feel like just so everything we go through everything even from like dropping like a hot dog on the floor or ice cream cone from when we we're kids like everything we go through i think has a purpose right yeah. it, it, it allows us to also relate to other humans and yes business deals right no matter what 
facade or we put on and everyone's wearing the business suits and you're in the big boardroom and you're making a big mergers and acquisitions deal or whatever you're doing deep 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 down people want to feel heard acknowledged understood and loved deep 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 down like we're all the little kids right in school at the playground and instead of bobby going over and punching jimmy in the face when he said something wrong now we use attorneys and lawsuits and complaints (laughs) right like but we're all still the same right we just we just really want bobby to just understand like you know and jimmy bobby's like you know jimmy you're just an annoying little prick and and he doesn't (laughs) understand what his background is or his story right like yeah it's just interesting it's just really interesting yes so i i mean is it a skill people can learn uh you know we have we have success uh and with our student community but there are some people right that and that's okay because everyone's different there are some people that are just meant to be something else maybe they're meant to be sales support maybe they're meant to be engineers maybe they're meant to be right like there's a whole bunch of people out there that the world needs some people i think uh i think the more we work at our communication the more we work at just listening to people the the easier things will be i i there won't be any wars or divorces if people just learn to fucking listen (laughs) like really listen not just like the words are coming in but like literally try to feel what they're saying and where they're coming from and that's hard people don't have the patience in this three second real world <laughs> oh, <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> yeah like, you know what i mean exactly <laughs> you know i wanted a whole bunch of tangents here kyle sorry about that. <laughs> no this, like this is what i absolutely love man like like super quick side note like with the podcast like i used to just have like a bunch of questions like one two three four five six seven eight nine ten and like just like bang them out like one after the other but then I, like, completely done away with that. And I'm like, all right, like, maybe I'll ask one. But, like, this is what I love, man. Like, when it just opens up and, like, whatever happens, happens. Like, it's, it's just a lot of fun, you know? It's just a talk. Um, but, yeah, going back to what I was going to say. So, a while ago, I think it was it was probably, like, a month or two ago, I actually had um, Gordon on the podcast. Yep. And, man, like, oh, my goodness. Like, I, I love that guy so much, and he knows that. Gordon, shout out to you, man. But um, there was something that he said on the podcast that, that really, really hit me. And, like, I, I think about it all the time. And it's that everybody just wants to feel loved at the very, oh, very, I very end podcast, of the day. And I said the same thing, so I get credit. Exactly. <laughs> no, keep going. Keep going with what you're saying because it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, and it just – he was just saying, like, you know, if you just keep boiling, you know, problems and, like, why you want to do the things that you want to do, like – you know, what's your why for like everything that you're trying to do? Like if you just keep asking questions like all the way down, it's probably going to be like, you know, because so-and-so just wants to feel loved and appreciated. And it just like it, it just like took me back. I'm like, wow. And like that's that's something that's going to sit in my head for, you know, the rest of my days. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I it, it just, yeah. The mechanics of real estate. It's funny because everyone comes to us, right? Like, oh, I want to do real estate, no money down. I want to do real estate and learn subject to. I want to do real estate and, you know, I, I, I have no cash or credit, but I, I, I need to make a million dollars this year. Like, and it's funny because all that stuff's so doable. It's like, it's the mechanics, like knowing, knowing how to market for sellers, where to pull my lists. How do I reach out to them? What messages do I say? How do I talk to them when they call back? How do I track the marketing? How do I go and do an appointment with them? How do I, that stuff is so freaking easy. What's not easy is our own fucking stories. What's not easy is us not realizing they just want to be loved. What's not easy is understanding that if we just took a minute and stopped thinking about what we need out of that situation, I hope I get that offer. I hope I get that offer. I hope I don't screw this up. I hope I don't screw this up. Oh my God. And we focused on them. 
just for a minute and didn't care about the deal. Just making that relationship. You know, in my team, they are rewarded if they get a testimonial. They don't have to get the deal. They need to get a testimonial. They need to get a seller to say, I spoke to, you know, six or seven different home buyers, and this specific person is the only one who made me feel listened to, heard, and acknowledged. And while I didn't get the deal or we didn't do it, uh, you know, we didn't sign the contract, I just want everyone to know that I really care about this person. Like they, they made me feel cared for. They win. Then we all win. And what can, what can we not, not do with that testimonial, right? Like we use that testimonial. We could generate 10 times more leads that way. Yeah. But that's the whole thing. Like you're absolutely right. I love that you brought it up. Like everyone just wants to be loved. Everyone. You know, it's thank you for saying that. And people <laughs> don't get it. They don't get it. Like, just listen, take the time to listen. No wars or divorces. If anyone just listened to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just, it's crazy, man. Like the deeper, the deeper that I get into real estate, like the more that I'm realizing is like how much is, I, I guess how much, you know, is really affected by like your mindset and like, like core values and like, like, you know, all the, the, the tactical stuff, like, great, like congratulations. But like if you can really boil it down to exactly you know like reaching that like those points with people of like all right like you know how does this guy you know what's going on like how do i you know dig down to find that problem like how do i you know make him feel appreciated like what do i have to do like completely outside of real estate like just from one person on planet earth to the other person on planet earth you know it just so happens to be like in the real estate like environment you know it just like i don't know it just it seems like just more and more like life skills, like over and over again, you know, like just the communication and, you know, just being able to, to find like the right, right things, I guess you could say, you know, to just between people and like real estate just so happens to be there too, you know? And like, I don't know, it's just, it's interesting. Like this, it seems like there's just so much to learn about life and, you know, core values and everything that comes with being in the real estate space. And like, you know, just the more that you're able to kind of like understand, you know, a lot of those different aspects, like the better off in the real estate, like space that you're going to be. Oh, man, you're These are such wonderful, wonderful topics you're bringing up, right? Like, <laughs> so uh, the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of the deal. I was addicted to deals for about 12, 15 years, right? Addicted. Where's my next deal? Where's my next deal? It's like cocaine. Yeah. I never did cocaine, but I know what <laughs> they do. Um, no, but you know, like it's, it's an addiction. It yeah. is like people, especially when you're a salesperson, like hunt the hunting, right? There's farming and then there's hunting. Here's, here's the challenge. And I read uh, Simon Sinek's book called the infinite game. And it basically said that when all else is said and done, you know what? And I'll share this, you know, everyone should go and YouTube that and whatever they want to do with that. But like, he talks about two different companies, which really stands out to me. He said he went to go speak at an IBM convention, right? With all the IBM people, PC people. And they're all in the audience and they have this big annual meeting and they're all up there talking all about, you know, last year we did this and this year we're doing this. Ah, and there was cheering and, you know, here's our, is a new, um, you know, the modification of this model. Uh, ah, that's what we all want that. And, <laughs> and then, and then they're like, you know, then they start putting up Apple on the screen and you know and all the boos come out boo and then they like take out a mascot and they start like killing the apple mascot and <laughs> then they and it's like funny because they start going over the numbers of apple and what their numbers are going to be 
And Simon said, I found that so interesting because then, in two weeks later, he spoke at the Apple convention. And they don't mention IBM once. They don't mention any competitor. They are looking at what's the next thing that we can blow the, the world's mind with. Right, like, and by the way, this is coming from a not from an Android person. I don't even have an Apple. I don't oh, enjoy wow. them. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, like, I found that interesting. And he talks about like it's okay to have a worthy rival, but the moment you get into competition space, like, you can be so obsessed with numbers and beating numbers and beating your competition and beating that person that you lose the whole point. And the whole point of infinite game is that every time you even touch a number, that's finite, right? I want to do, like I started by doing six deals in a year and then 10 and then 18 and then 36, right? Like you just blow it up and you can scale that way. But what's the point of going from 100 deals to 400 deals a year? Like, what's the point? More, more money? Well, now you need to, you know, payroll and overhead and all that stuff. He's like, the whole point is, when does that stop? And it's an addiction. And if you're only going after transactions, you're only going after like what you know what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis to get more deals and more projects or more rentals even like if you're only doing that then you're just addicted to money and what's money that's just energy that goes back and forth like yeah. what are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis to provide impact what are you doing to change the world what are you doing to help someone today like people i think when you're you know very young like i'm not saying you're you young kyle i mean you know <laughs> But I feel like we all can go through this phase where we have to grind. We have to understand what it's like to try to make money. We have to understand what it's like to survive, right? But then once you get to another point, you realize that money doesn't matter. Like, you know, one of your questions, because I did read your, your, your Q&A beforehand, is what is wealth? And I want to ask you, what is wealth to you? Because I think you already know what, I'm, what I feel wealth is. What is wealth to you, Kyle? Ooh, this is interesting, man. I, I've never had anyone flip the script on me like this. That's that's awesome. I read I read your so. stuff. I read <laughs> over. I'm like, we're not talking about any of this, but well, <laughs> I love it, man. So wealth to me is, to me personally, it's to be able to, you know, just kind of have the abundance and be able to quit my day job and tell my mom that she can quit her day job too, and and kind of. This is, this is like the real stuff. Like, like, I don't even like say this to like most people, but literally like what wealth is to me is to be able to, you know, create enough passive income to be able to quit my day job, tell my mom to be able to quit her day job and be able to give back to her for raising me and my sister. That's what it's all about, man. Look at how your face looks right now. Look at how you feel. <laughs> right? It's real. It's real. Yeah. And you know why? Because you want her to feel loved. Yep. Right? Right. So there's there, money. It's energy. As my aunt once told me, right, they used to use cocoa beans. It's just cocoa beans. It's like not real. It comes and it goes, but it, it creates, it can help facilitate, right, time freedom. For me, wealth is about time freedom. Yeah. For me, it's about freeing up to do anything that you want to do, which is which ultimately for me to be more fulfilling, you have to generate impact. You're not just going to sit down and watch Netflix once you retire. Like no one's going to do. If we're in this game, we're not doing that. No. So, for you, it's about creating a lasting family legacy that completely frees up your mom and makes her feel, wow, wow, I created a kid that totally believes in freeing minds everywhere. 
spring mines across the world and he's helping the family and he's helping his friends and he's providing value everywhere he goes. Like, holy shit, I win as a mom and he wins as my son. <laughs> I feel it, dude. I love it. So thank you. That's a, it's a great question. That's why it's great because people think wealth is like, oh, growing assets. All right, cool. I just need, you know, 20 single family homes that throw off $200 a month in net cash flow and X amount. Okay, that's there's my mailbox money. Great. And I'm never going to have any problems. It's never not going to come in. So I can always count on it. I, I can immediately bank my kids' college education by just buying another 10 of these things because that's, you know, that's how it works. It's so it's easy, right? <laughs> oh, and FHA, I'm sure they'll fund all of all of the 25 homes that I'm about to buy. You know, no, oh, down, <laughs> right? Like yeah. no one knows the, the actual challenges, right? But it's like, that's, it, it's a beautiful thing to go beyond the real estate, to go beyond the why. Why are we doing what we do on a day-to-day -day basis? And you and I both believe real estate is the number one best wealth generator on this planet. I know that crypto people are out there. I feel, again, I, being in finance, formerly finance, crypto for me is still extremely, it's gambling. You don't know. I know that some things are backed by actual blockchain and some things are backed with actual you know, what, stuff that it does versus just, oh, here's a coin that just came out. I'm going to put a whole bunch of money into it. Or here's an NFT that just came out. I'm going to put a whole bunch of money into it. It's gambling. If you want to go to a casino, go to a casino. People will always need food, water, shelter, and I also think guns. That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> if you have one of those four things covered, even if the U.S. dollar hits zero, even if all the Bitcoin in the world hits zero, even if all the computers and all they have to do is what? Light off. This is in my head, right? All they have to do is do what that movie did and light off. What's what's that big bomb The uh, that, light, that kills all the electricity in an area? You know that thing? Like an like, EMP? Like, EMF. Yeah, EMP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. EMP. <laughs> gone. Like crypto's gone, right? <laughs> Like, I, mean, I know, oh no, it's all across the world. Well, no, what if the, the, the spies come in and light off EMPs across the world? And like, I've seen that uh, tra traffic light thing. I forget, ah, damn it, I forget that movie. But yeah, it's a good movie. So anyway, yeah. right, housing, food, water, guns. And we totally got those Kyle. <laughs> You've got HVAC covered, you, wherever you are. You've got HVAC covered. So <laughs> that's like a big deal. People can't live without central air conditioning, even if everything goes to downhill, so. <laughs> I totally agree. It's it's funny you say that about the crypto too, man. Because like, like people have explained it to me, like the blockchain and like the science of it and how it works, like a million freaking times. I still have a very, 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 very basic understanding of it. And like, I don't know. It's me personally. Like, it's never something that I would be very bullish in. Exactly. Like, I, I kind of look at it the same way. Like, as as gambling, just because. I don't know. I don't really like ridiculous speculation, man. I, I don't know, but <laughs> I just am all set. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> well, you're in real estate, right? Exactly. You want to be able to control stuff, man. You know, like I, I don't know. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, I, yeah, that's exactly why I got out of finance. Actually, we don't have enough time for that story. I have stories, dude. We should we should do this again. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> totally, man. Wow. Oh my goodness. Nick, thank you so, so much for coming on here, man. I, I feel like we could literally talk for the next freaking like five hours, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, brother. I really appreciate it. Yeah, This was um, awesome, man. We're on, um, like, oh, sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say we're on like social media. Can like you, the podcast, like the group, I'll, I'll put like everything under the sun in there. <laughs> oh, cool, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so the website's under construction, but if they go to um the, po the podcast site, is uh, shutupanddoitrealestate.com. That's shutupanddoitrealestate.com. Uh, for all you know, guests that have been through some shit that have come out, there's a, a bunch of national folks in there, which is good. Some, some familiar names to a lot of the guru people out there. 
Um, there's also, um, if they want to come chat with me, they can find me. Like I'm trying to be more like you, Kyle. I'm, I'm more of a Facebook old, old guy, like a bald. <laughs> like, I mean, most people don't even know what Facebook is anymore. It's now called Meta or something. You know, us old people use Facebook. So I'm, uh, I am on Facebook, but I'm at my friends limit. So you guys can, I guess Instagram is probably the best way. It's just Nick Allerud, Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, companies, aarealestategroup.com if they want to go there, but would love to i'm just here to provide value man like you saw and i'm here to, if anyone wants to partner on deals that's awesome if anybody wants to get some guidance uh we're here for that too um and we're always looking to just chat with good people so thank you for having me on awesome. man i appreciate that thank you so so much nick it, it means the world to me <laughs> Alrighty, have a fantastic day my friend we'll talk to you later thank you so much all right guys that concludes our creating wealth podcast episode for today I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Pockets. Until next time.